Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Hey, my friend, welcome back. What a delight to be here with you again. You know, last time we were together, I, I talked about the miracle of transforming love, or better, the miracle that God has to perform in our lives in order for Paul's prayer to come true, that we would be people who are overflowing and abounding with love, so much love that there's leftovers. That, that takes a miracle. I experienced another miracle this week. I went out in my backyard and I picked some tomatoes off our tomato plant. And I found a zucchini there in the garden as well. And some peppers and an onion. And I picked these off. And you know what? Those were miracles. Why do I call them miracles? Well, because just a few months ago, all I did was took a tiny little seed and put it in the dirt And God turned that dirt into a zucchini. And I'm telling you, that's a miracle. That blows me away that he turns dirt into ripe red tomatoes that are delicious on my salad. (laughs) That's, That's a miracle. Now, of course, he gives me a part in the miracle. He gives me a job. It was my job to put the seed in and make sure that the proper nutrients were in that soil, right? The miracle was all his. He did the transforming work, but he allowed me to participate in bringing this miracle to pass by preparing the dirt with the proper nutrients and adding water and making sure there was sunlight and so on. I got to have a small part of the miracle of producing vegetables. That's incredible. What an incredible privilege. And you see, my friend, we get to have a small part in bringing about the miracle of producing love, of growing love in our lives. Because you see, there has to be the proper nutrients for them to grow. And that's our job. And before we get into that, let's ask the Master Gardener to lead us today. Lord God, thank you so much for the great privilege of being able to participate with you in miracles. Lord, today we're asking that you would help us to see the the nutrients that are needed because we want to be men or women of love. We want to live lives of love. We want to have abounding, overflowing loves in our lives. So only you can do that. And we're asking that you teach us how to have a part in that incredible journey. So thank you, Lord God. Send your Holy Spirit to instruct us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 1, verse 9. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Two ingredients. The first ingredient, according to Paul, is that love needs knowledge. Now, I got to be honest, that seems a little non-intuitive to me. I didn't expect him to go there when he was talking about love. What does love have to do with knowledge? To understand this, I think it will help for you to understand the Greek word behind knowledge. It's 
the word epignosis. And it's actually a compound word. It has a preposition and a noun. And to really grasp it, you need, you need to know both parts. So let's start with the noun part, gnosis. It comes from the verb gnosko, which means to know or to understand. But it's a particular type of knowledge. In the Greek, there's actually two different words for knowledge. One was oida, and the other was gnosis. Oida was the mental, intellectual side of knowledge, the type of knowledge that the philosophers prize, the type of knowledge that you work things out in your mind. Gnosis, on the other hand, was a knowledge that was more experiential. It was the knowledge that we gain from our senses, not from our mind. And so it was, by extension, it was the kind of knowledge of getting to know somebody. For example, it's, it's used by the verse when Jesus says, depart from me because I never knew you. That was gnosis. Or uh, the verse that talks about Jesus and it says he knew no sin. Of course, he knew about sin. He had an intellectual understanding of his sin, but he never experienced sin. He had never had that type of knowledge of sin. And it's this gnosis that Paul talks about in Philippians 3 when he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. It's not, he doesn't just want to know about Jesus. He doesn't want to just be a scholarly theologian about Jesus, but he wants to have a personal relationship with Jesus. He wants to know him. But I told you this is a compound word, and the preposition or the prefix that goes on the beginning of this word is epi, epigenosis. And what epi does is it takes a word and it intensifies it. So some people have translated this word as real knowledge, deep knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul says, Now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know, gnosis, in part, then I shall know epigenosis in full, even as I am fully known epigenosis. So now I know, then I will really know. And so this epigenosis is the first ingredient. We have to really know someone if we want to love someone. One commentary put it, if we want to flourish in love, God is calling us to become students of one another. In other words, if I want to love God, I have to start by knowing God. And if I don't find myself loving him, it's because I seriously don't know him. I don't know him because if I, as soon as I get to know him, I fall in love with him. But the reality isn't just God word. It's with the people around us. We can't really love someone unless we know them. If you're married, you probably understand how this works. I can't love my wife unless I know her. I've got to know her inside and out. I need to know what she thinks about. I need to know what she likes. I need to know what her strengths are and her weaknesses are, what her fears are, what her favorite type of massage is. If I'm going to love her, I need to constantly be learning more and more about her. The same goes with my children. I can't love them unless I get to know them. And the only way to get to know them is to spend time with them and to interact with them and to watch them and to ask them questions and really listen to their answers. I want to get to know them so that I can love them. The same is true in any small group or church. You know, if you just go to church and you sit there and you listen and you sit next to somebody and you maybe shake their hand during the greeting time, but you don't ever get to know them, you can't say that you love them. The Lord is calling us 
to bind ourselves together in a love that goes deeper than the shallow types of conversations that this world participates in. God is calling us to get to know each other deeply, to be transparent. If you're a guy and you're not in a group of other guys where there is radical transparency between you and them, where you're honest about your deepest secrets, then nobody knows you and you don't know them and you can't say that you are a loving person. I imagine that there's some of you who are listening to me right now that I have never met before and therefore I don't know you. And so I've got to be honest, I can't say that I love you. Oh, I love the thought of you. I can imagine loving you, but I don't truly love you because I don't know you yet. Oh, I look forward to it, let me tell you. I look forward to spending eternity getting to know you, asking you all about your story. Because when I hear your story, I will love you deeply. So if you don't know somebody, then you you can't love them. You really have to know them in order to love them. But the converse is also true. If you find that you don't, there's somebody that you don't love, that you don't really get along with, let me encourage you to just spend some time getting to know that person. Because if you don't love them, it's probably because you don't know them. You haven't taken the time and effort to hear their story and find out why they are the way they are. But I guarantee you, on the authority of what Paul is saying right here, that when you do get to know them, you will find yourself learning to love them. Because that's what relational knowledge does in our hearts, is it cultivates love. When I know you, I will love you. And so knowledge, relational epigenosis, real knowledge, deep knowledge of each other, That is a prime ingredient. And it's not just an ingredient. It is the joy of true love. It's getting to know each other is such a privilege. But it is also an essential nutrient for love to grow. So that's the first ingredient, the first nutrient of love. The second nutrient goes even deeper. In my version, it says... Your love must grow in knowledge and in depth of insight. Depth of insight. What's that all about? Some of your versions might say discernment or judgment. The Greek word is eisthesis. And this word is a little bit harder to understand because, as a matter of fact, this is the only place in the entire New Testament where this word is used which makes me think that Paul was just trying to stretch his vocabulary to try to find just the right word to explain something that was very important to him. But he chose a word that's difficult for us to understand, so it's going to take some digging on our part to try to understand what this word means. So how are we going to figure this out? Well, this is the only place in the New Testament where it's found, but it actually does appear in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. It, in fact, appears quite often in the book of Proverbs. Of course, Proverbs is all about knowledge and wisdom, and it includes all sorts of synonyms for for those words. And this is one of them. Eisthesis shows up several times and is translated as knowledge or wisdom, often considered a moral wisdom, a moral understanding of what's right and wrong. But one verse where it's used that I love the most because it has become kind of a theme for this entire series of studies is in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3, where we're told, If you call out for insight 
and cry aloud for eisthesis. My version says understanding. If you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Oh, I love these verses because they remind me of how important it is for me to seek after the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God with all of my heart. Cry aloud for Isthesis. Shout out, Lord, I need wisdom. That gives us a little picture of what type of wisdom we're talking about. Now, I told you that in the New Testament, this word is only used once, but it does actually have some cousin words, some related words that will give us some hints about what this word means. One of those places is in Luke 9, verse 45, where we're told that the disciples did not understand what Jesus meant. It was hidden for them so that they did not grasp it. That word grasp is a related word to eisthesis. They heard the words of Jesus, they heard his parable, they could understand all the vocabulary, but they couldn't understand the meaning. They couldn't grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. There's another place in the New Testament where a cousin word of eisthesis is used. It's in Hebrews 5, 14. And the context of this verse is that the author is talking to some Christians who are slow to learn. And he's challenging them. In fact, he's kind of rebuking them here. He's using the illustration of baby food. And he says, in verse 12, he says, you've been Christians long enough that you ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be eating solid food right now, but you are still sucking on a bottle of milk. Verse 13, he says, anyone who lives on milk is still an infant and not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food, that is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. It's this last verse that we're going to focus on, because when he says trained themselves, that's the cousin word of eisthesis. Some versions say they have trained their faculties or trained their senses. That word faculties is the place where this eisthesis lives. It's the it's the portion of our heart and mind where this wisdom resides. And what does he say it comes from? He says this is for the mature who through constant practice have trained their faculties to distinguish good and evil. Again, it's this picture of something that doesn't just appear automatically when you become a Christian. It's something that you have to train for and practice for and work on day after day. It's not instantaneous knowledge, but the progressive growing knowledge that comes when we're crying out for wisdom from God. You see, what I think Paul is trying to say in Philippians 1.9 in this prayer is he's saying Love needs knowledge in order to grow, but it's more than just knowledge. There's something deeper that needs to exist in order for us to grow. And it's a wisdom of how to love that only comes through training and practice and crying out for it. If you're a disciple who's just listening to the parable and you're saying, I don't get it, and you move on, then you will never have this depth of insight. And the point is that love is not trivial. You know, this world makes it sound like, you know, all we need is love. We just need, we need more love. We need to accept people and love them. And and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. 
there is something that is essential that we need to understand about love. And it is not easy to come by. In fact, it takes sometimes a lifetime of struggling and growing and training and calling out for wisdom in order for us to love. So in the same way that we struggle to try to understand this word, Isthesis, by, by picking apart verses and looking here and there. So we need to do the same thing in our love for each other. It is not trivial. The other night, my wife and I were texting somebody that we love, somebody who's just precious to us, but this person is not walking with the Lord. And we sent a text uh, that was actually just a link to an article um, about something that we'd read in the Bible. And uh, this person sent back a text and said, please don't send me articles like that. I don't appreciate it. And we need to respond to that. And we love this person. We love them so much. And we wanted to speak truth to them, but we wanted them to know how much we cared about them. And so I'll tell you, we wrestled we, not physically, but my wife and I, we just sat on the couch and we went back and forth about how to respond to this person. And we prayed about it and we wrestled over the words that we would use because we wanted this, this precious one to know how much we loved them. Love is not easy. It is not always obvious how to love somebody, right? I mean, there are some people that are really difficult to love. And so we need to call out to God Help us to love them. And they're not difficult to love necessarily just because they're prickly and irritating. Sometimes just the opposite. Sometimes they can be delightful people, but they need something that's not easy for us to give. And so we cry out to God and we train ourselves and we pray, God, give us this depth of insight so that we can know how to love. It's not, it's more than just knowing somebody. It's knowing about how they need love. And so that is the challenge that we need to embrace if we are going to be men or women of true, abounding, growing, overflowing love. We've got to know them and we've got to have depth of insight about how to love. And what does Paul say is the result when that happens? He says in verse 10, if we have this knowledge and depth of insight, then we may be able to discern what is best. To discern what is best comes in the Greek from the, the idea of scrutinizing something carefully in order to find its value, to find what is most valuable, what is superior. They would use this phrase to describe studying a coin or something to determine whether it's truly valuable. Uh, so it's the idea of looking hard, understanding what is best, what is valuable. What One translator says it's cultivating a sense of what is vital. You see, in our relationships with each other, you've heard the saying that we, you need to choose your battles because there's some things that are important and some things that really don't matter, really, really don't matter in our love for each other. We need to understand the difference. And so the spiritually mature person searches and scrutinizes to try to determine what is it that is most valuable, what is vital in our relationship with one another. So my friend, love Love in the church, love in your family, love in your small group, it is not trivial. This is something that's going to take a lifetime for us to learn. But again, this is where God's miraculous power comes to play because as we determine to set ourselves 
in a place where we get to know each other and pray for the insight to know how to love each other and to learn what is most vital in our relationships with each other, then God will take those ingredients and he will transform it into the most beautiful, fruitful love that you can imagine. My friends, don't miss this. This is what it is all about. This is what Paul got on his knees and prayed for because he knew that this type of relationship is what we were designed for. This is the great adventure of our entire spiritual eternity, getting to know God better so that our love is richer and deeper and getting to know each other in deep and meaningful ways so that our love is abounding and overflowing. That is what we're going to spend the rest of eternity doing. That is the greatest joy that we were designed to experience, knowing and loving God and each other. That's what it's all about. (sighs) Lord God, Lord God, thank you for inventing this incredible thing called relationships. Thank you for inviting us into your relationship as a triune God where you knew and love, you know and love each other. The triune God where you, Father, know the Son and the Son knows you and loves you and the Spirit and all together in the Trinity, the love and knowledge is forever growing, forever flourishing. And you've invited us into that so that we can know you and you know us. And we can love each other and we can love our brothers and our sisters and our husbands and wives and families and children and churches and small groups and neighbors. Lord God, teach us this great journey, this great adventure. Teach us. Father, we need you to make it grow. We need you to do the miracle of transformation in our lives. We can't force this. We can't fake this. We can't create this out of nothing. All we can do is put our humble seed into the soil and ask you to make it grow. And so that's my prayer, that you would make us men and women who know how to love like you love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart and transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.